0: thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. Good
1: evening Edufolk, it is Tuesday, It is The Late Show. You're back with me, Lucy Newberger. We're ready to go and we're going to have a short and hopefully enjoyable jaunt through guided reading this evening. Um, I'm flying solo tonight, so if anyone wants to leap in and join me in conversation, please do. I always welcome opinions, chatter, thoughts on what's being said. And also it means you're not listening to a monologue for the next however long. But... In true traditional form, before we go anywhere near tonight's subject, of course, you know what I like to do. I like to go back through the week. I like to tell you what's been going on in my world, hopefully make you feel a little bit better about your world, and just share the the general goings on. I feel it humanizes things a bit. I feel like when somebody's hosting a show and uh, they can share in their goings on, particularly as teachers, it really does make people feel a bit better and feel a little less, particularly when I see on Twitter at the moment that people are finding things a bit difficult uh, since we've gone back post-Christmas. I mean, teaching's difficult all year round. It's It has many, many highs. It has many, many lows. It, has, it takes you through the emotional spectrum on a near-daily basis. But uh, I've seen sort of the mood on Twitter. I don't know if it's just what's popping up in my algorithm. Seems to be a little bit... A little bit on the on the sadder side, obviously, with strike action and the such like coming up, maybe that that's uh, uh, in there as well. But let's see. I mean, I think that it does then fall to some of us to be like, okay, yes, we know it's hard, but let's try and try and push forward. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm at with that. Okay, so we have finally made it to the end of January, the longest month ever. And it really does. I don't know, every year. I mean, I'm a January birthday, so I kind of try and try and enjoy January as as much as I can. But it really does feel long. But we've made it to the 31st. I think most of us have had a, a long overdue payday by now. That also feels it also does feel kind of post Christmas. You are sort of clinging on towards towards the end i actually didn't look at my bank balance because i thought it's probably best just not to and as long as we're as long as we're okay we can we can you know live off tin soup if we have to but it hasn't quite got to to, to dire straits we, we've made it through we're okay it's still a bit cold here here in portugal and uh unfortunately they, for some reason, don't believe in in heating. So I have these very dodgy radiators in in my apartment, which I do try and actually avoid using, obviously because of energy bills and all the rest of it. So I'm bundled up with blankets and a and a scarf. And also, every time I use these radiators at the moment, I seem to short circuit my entire apartment. So it's probably best that I just just stick to the blankets, really. So that's that's good. But no, we've made it. So February the first tomorrow yeah tomorrow because 31 days in january lucy that is correct i actually had to teach my year fives that rhyme about 30 days has september april june and november um because it, there was a question that came up i can't remember if you're doing maths or some. i can't remember what we were doing but it was asking how many days something had gone on for and it was shocking the number of them that weren't actually sure how many days were in each month so We went back to basics and taught them that rhyme, which was which was good. And uh, I often I'm often found saying it to myself as well. And then also explaining to them that those born on the 29th of February only have a birthday every four years. And they were like, well, why? I said, well, because there are only 29 days in February in a a leap year. So that blew their minds uh, as well. I mean, maybe I'm teaching the wrong things. I, I don't know. But still, the power of awe in children is always, always good. And always when you least expect certain things. Um, We are currently in the throes of and partly why this guided reading um, show is so appropriate. We're partway through our book week at the moment over here in um, Portugal. And uh, I don't know if this is, I don't think this is a country-wide thing. I think this is just when we choose to do ours as a a school. So we've got character dress-up day on Thursday, and we're indulging in lots of different reading-based activities. We've got an extreme reading competition going on where children send in photos of uh, funny locations where they've been reading. We've got book swaps going on. We've got things going on in class to kind of boost reading throughout the school. So it's been a really nice, really nice week so far. And our head of English, uh, Melissa, has been hard at work making sure it's all all beautifully coordinated. And in amongst all of that, cross country is happening tomorrow, which uh, sparks uh, great joy in some children and absolute dread in others. And actually, one of the, uh, the children that I tutor after school, who I've taught previously, said to me his only goal this year was not to come last. And honestly, it absolutely broke my heart when he said that. And it also gave me an idea for uh, another show that I'm hopefully you're going to look at, which is primary P.E. But we'll come back to that later on. But yeah, I thought that was quite sweet. So as a house leader tomorrow, I will be cheering on my house because we're doing it in houses. And uh, they've got to do, I think it's two and a half laps that kind of goes round uh, round the edge of the school uh, and uh, sort of through our kind of main um, entranceway, and then they repeat that. So it'll be good fun. It'll be really good fun. So I'll be absolutely hoarse by the end of it, but really looking forward to that. Um, The other thing, we are, it it sort of, it shocks me every year that kind of February half term is that midpoint through, through the academic year. And it it blows my mind. And I actually said this to my class uh, recently. I said, uh, after half term, you're you're closer to to year six than the the start of year five um, in the hope that it would kind of bolster them forward a little bit. But uh, most of them were kind of nonplussed by that, which uh, is unsurprising, really. But at the halfway point or near the halfway point, I always think it's good to to have a look back and to, to reflect and to think about kind of how we're going to. Approach the the rest of the year. I mean, I think there's there's, there's always time for, and I do this a lot on on TCR. There's always time for a, a, not a resolution as such, but a check in, setting new goals, setting targets, thinking how we're going to be better. Because I always worry, particularly when um, having a tough time, as uh, as some of us are at the moment, that that energy is seeping a little bit into into things and the the guilt sort of associated with maybe having to come down a bit harder I always I always struggle with or having to kind of uh, drive kids forward a little bit more um, and make sure that they're kind of of course you always want them to do their best but trying to kind of in, you know encourage them in in the best possible way that no actually you do need to finish this piece of work please because we've been spending three lessons on it and now I'm kind of I don't want to, I don't want to look at it anymore you know I've uh, we were typing up astronaut application letters this week and Bless my children. I think it would have been faster to hand write them up in neat. But, you know, digital literacy, it's all it's all good and it's all all helping them them move forward. So that's kind of the the weekly update. That's that's where where we're at. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all settled in and sitting with uh, a cup of something warm on this uh, chilly evening. I don't actually know what the temperature is in the UK, but I imagine it's not especially warm being the end of January. I have got an apple and cinnamon fusion this evening, which is like drinking apple pie. So it's absolutely lovely. Uh, And hopefully I'll get to have a few sips because hopefully some more people will join us and we can jump in. I should also mention before we go any further forward and speaking of reading and all those things, uh, that our lovely sponsor is John Cat Education. And they are a leading provider and publisher of educational books and magazines. So... You know, I'm a great lover of CPD. If you're looking for something to uh, boost your subject knowledge or you're interested in a particular area of education, you can pretty much almost guarantee that John Cat will have something for you. So do go and have a look. I can see that there is a pin tweet in the top of the space. So if you click on that, it'll also guide you to John Cat's Twitter. You can have a scroll through. You'll also be able to access the website there as well. And you can have a look and maybe treat yourself to something to read maybe over half term or or in bed and uh, I won't tell you how my new year's reading uh, goal is going the answer is not well but hey ho. right okay says she, shifting about in her seat let's get comfy and let's get cracking now as pretty much always with my shows this comes from uh, an idea I've had or an experience or something that kind of is going on in my classroom and that I want to then share with you, learn more about, figure out how I can do it better, etc. So go with me on this and I hope that uh, it's helpful. I hope that we all learn something together and I hope that some of you jump in and have a chat. I can see that Emily is here. Hi, Emily. I can see we've got Machiavellian girl. Fantastic, fantastic Twitter name there as well. And I can see Liz is in too. So good evening to you all. Let's go. So part of the reason I chose guided reading this evening is because it's part of my investigation into primary English. And if you listen back to last week's show, I had a lovely chat with uh, Miss Jess Swain, who um, gave me a brilliant insight into how she's teaching writing, how we can improve that, uh, where we need to focus our energy in terms of, you know, is the Advanced grammar and linguistics—the be all and end all—or uh, do we just need to focus a bit more on content and things like that? So I kind of—I've touched on the writing side. I wouldn't say I've completed it, but now I wanted to touch more on the on the reading side, and guided reading seemed a good inroad for that. So that's why we have decided to do this. I also think it's something I don't teach particularly well, so I wanted to kind of investigate it further, see where. We ended up because as it stands and this is kind of a bad thing to admit i use my guided reading sessions a lot of the time for for reading comprehension uh for uh doing sort of more kind of whole class based activities and maybe there are some of you out there who do whole class guided reading and that that's the way you approach it but there's also the uh beloved and well-known carousel approach which i have tried to implement over the course of my career and just haven't managed to make it work for for whatever reason so anyway let's first of all unpick what guided reading is about or what the definitions are uh sort of floating around the internet so i went down my research rabbit hole as usual and uh, i'm going to take you with me there first of all so this uh, first bit, so to define what guided reading is, we've got um, Fountas, I'm hoping that's how I say it, Fontas, Fountas, and Pinnell or pennell I think it's Penel, I'm going to stick with Pinnell, but hopefully I am right about that, and they define guided reading as the following, uh, a small group reading instruction designed to provide differentiated teaching, I know that's a controversial word, uh, if you listened to my show with Kieran Mackle about uh, math mastery, he uh, his sentiment towards that wasn't great, but anyway. Uh, that supports student in developing reading proficiency. And I think that is always the the ultimate goal, isn't it? From when children at very early doors start to do their their or start to learn phonics all the way through to you know the back end of primary, where hopefully they're developing more fluency, greater comprehension, using things like vipers, those of you that are familiar with with that. Uh so Yeah, that is the ultimate goal. Um, The teacher should use a tightly structured framework that allows the incorporation of several research-based approaches into a coordinated whole. For the student, guided reading lesson means reading and talking, sometimes writing, about an interesting and engaging variety of fiction and non-fiction texts. For the teacher, guided reading means taking the opportunity for careful text selection and intentional and intensive teaching of systems and strategic activity for proficient reading. Now, I, again, fall into the trap, and I don't know if you do too, of, well, so my topic at the moment is space. So when I say I'm doing reading comprehensions, I have looked across, you know, across the Internet and found different ones that kind of that that fit in. And the approach is usually the same. It's kind of we read together, I'll choose different readers, we talk about the language, we talk about how to answer different types of questions. We talk about repeatedly writing in full sentences, unless it does specifically give a, a one word answer. And, uh, you know, I kind of it's kind of a sort of a a job done aspect. But would I would I say that it's encouraging reading proficiency? Would I say it's uh, that there's enough discussion there? No, I wouldn't. So it was interesting for me to see that definition there in kind of quite clear uh, black and white. And actually, this this article as well. So this is uh, research based for guided reading as an instructional approach. So this is a uh, Pinel and Fountas still um, that the idea of using small group reading and using, uh, you know, those differentiated tasks and having that carousel type approach is actually uh, not that modern, apparently, but it does originate in the U.S., uh, and it goes back to the late 1800s when educators became aware of the wide differences among students at the same grade levels. Reading groups within classes became common, and the market for, for published materials grew. And I don't know about you, but it's sort of—I mean, there is a uh, there is a, a website or a dedicated place on the internet for all these things. I know many of you uh, make your make your own resources or um, share your resources with people. We are very grateful to you always. Uh, so you know guided readings again one of those things where if you search in the right place you can pretty much find anything for whole class or for for group for group approaches so i i again i tend to stick to the same things i tend to use twinkle quite a lot but obviously there are you know other things out there i mean you can subscribe to not subscribe to and i know different schools subscribe subscribe to to different things so once i defined guided reading and i sort of understood and i had that definition in my mind i was like right okay but what do we need to to do this for and that may seem like a a silly thing to ask well of course children need to to learn to you know reading is not just about fluency it's not just about being able to blast their way through any kind of text. It's also about that reading for meaning. It's about looking at different uh, context clues. It's about different types of question, whether you're being asked to, to look at vocabulary, whether you're being asked to infer. And honestly, every time I stumble across an inference question and have to explain to my children that, yes, you know, you are, you still need evidence from the text to, to back up what you're saying, but you are, you know, you are kind of sharing your thoughts as well. And it's a, it's a very difficult thing to, to get them to do, but I suppose the purpose of guided reading is that you know in our sort of day to day English lessons, yes, there's reading that that goes on, particularly when you're analysing different types of text or if you're using a a particular novel or whatever. But it's not unpicking these books or these texts in the way that or sort of forensically as you as you would in maybe in a guided reading session. And it's not that focused as well and I think again part of the reason that I find difficulty with it is because uh, I'm on my own in class most of the time so managing different groups and making sure different groups are focused on different things can be quite tricky particularly when you've got some, some animated members of, of the class but there we go you know we we, we keep going but I think that often what happens with these sessions is that there's just a bit of a lack of imagination a lot of the time. It's kind of it's, this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat
0: Educational, a leading really publisher of books, to, directories, to people, educational people, particularly guides, and magazines
1: specifically aimed at forward thinking schools are, in the UK and beyond.
0: To, to the Have work. you checked out their latest and, releases? You know, don't miss out. I visit JohnCatBookshop.com to, to, to explore their full range of titles <clears throat> and advance your professional development today.
1: Happy reading. But I always find, and I don't know if you do too, that they are incredibly dry and that even within the groups you're reading in, you you know, you put them on a particular level and in inverted commas. But even within that group, there are some children who are sort of at the higher end of that level and could probably go above. But because you have to group them in a certain way, it's not particularly helpful to them because they could be that bit higher, but they're not quite not quite good enough to be in the next group who you have put on a slightly higher level of, of, of book. And this is something I'll come back to a bit later on in the show, because I think it's important to also look at as much as, you know, guided reading and this approach to reading is important. There are those out there who don't subscribe to a guided reading approach and who feel that actually we should be approaching reading in an entirely different way. So I don't know what your thoughts, thoughts are on that. Please do share them with me. If you have a moment, you can hear me as always shuffling, shuffling paper, but, uh, you know we are we're going down the research rabbit hole so let's keep going so again looking at another scholastic blog they were trying to sort of unpick guided reading a little bit more and trying to kind of understand where this fits in and they wanted to talk about let's consider what the guiding in guided reading actually means and how this is a different type of teaching to the way we normally do because for the most part as a primary teacher, we are, you know, we do our input at the front of the classroom. We, you know, we try and circulate. We sort of go around. We try and make sure that everyone's on board, and then split off and and do our do our thing. Guided reading is a bit is a bit different because it is, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're taking that group approach, it is sort of more focused on those individuals, or at least for a for a short period of time. And it says here that sometimes guiding involves taking the lead and supporting others to achieve a learning goal. Guiding a learner towards that goal involves knowing the route. Deciding what needs to be brought to the attention of the group requires us to know what children can take control, uh, what the children can take control of, and what is still tentative or just coming under control. Then we can judge when and exactly how much support to offer and uh, how and when to foster that resilience. And so that requires a great understanding from our part. And this, again, goes back to thinking about those texts and being careful and maybe not just using those those level books or not just printing off the Internet, Miss Neuberger or anything like that. So we also need to know the demands of the book to be read. So that's familiarising ourselves with the text beforehand. So we we know beforehand what's coming up, what we're going to ask, exactly the kind of questions that we're going to maybe do verbally, and then the questions that maybe children are going to to write answers to. Or is it just going to be an entirely verbal session? Is it going to be an entirely written session? Are you focusing on a particular skill? Is it a vocabulary-based chat? Or is it more about... Uh, prediction or again going back to those viper skills inference whatever so we need to know the demands of the books preparing the book carefully ahead of the lesson or text enables us to support children to read it successfully for themselves during the listening uh, listening in section of a lesson so this would apply whether the teaching focus is just on reinforcing uh, something from a phonics lesson or more advanced things such as character motives and plot development in key stage two but there are sometimes, you know, again, it's it's difficult because even within those small groups, you could do that guided part and then step back. And there is every chance that, you know, the vast majority of them will, will take it and run with it. And they're also the ones that might need that additional support. But, you know, then how do you manage that if you've then got to got to move on to the next group? But it does say here, guided lessons provide an opportunity for children to independently apply and practice reading strategies, uh, either through, you know, those discrete sessions or through shared and model practice. And the idea is to be able to, you know, over time they need less help and that to encourage them more towards independent reading and to have these things going through their head or these skills going through their head without being prompted so making sure they're understanding that they are reading for meaning that they are comprehending and understanding you know i don't know about you but i've been filling in data for for this half term recently and the targets are very specific in terms of you know we have those word reading targets we have those comprehension targets and whilst they go hand in hand of course they are they are different things and i always think it's very interesting the children there are many children who are, i and i'm sure you have come across over the years who can read incredibly fluently and they can you know go on and on and on and granted sometimes it's in a little bit of a monotone without the expression because they can they can sight read those words or they don't you know they have enough uh, knowledge to read those words but ask them to identify meaning or ask them to explain what's just happened or ask them to delve a little bit deeper uh sometimes they just they they, they can't do it because although the readings there it's a bit like learning your times tables by rote isn't it you you know you you know you've memorized the 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 pattern or the the order but ask a children to explain actually ask a child to then explain actually what three times four actually means using an array or whatever sometimes um, they're unable to do so just because they haven't delved that bit deeper but of course with with reading or with anything, with a lot of the skills, with a lot of these things that we're doing with children, the the cognitive load that is involved in, you know, reading, reading the words that are there. So deciphering what's there, then kind of taking that on board, but also trying to understand the meaning. Also then thinking about a question that they're going to be asked, then formulating an answer to that question, be it verbal or written. That's an enormous amount to have to do in any brain. Uh, So, the idea that we just kind of that we just expect children to be able to answer these questions without teaching them the necessary skills. And I think, again, this is what what a lot of these articles are are getting at. And uh, there's another one here that's about the importance of guided reading that I'll come to in a moment. But without teaching those specific skills and homing in on those skills, there's no way we can expect children to be able to answer, to be able to know how to predict what happens next or think about that or to be able to uh, infer in any particular way. So I do think that guidance aspect is incredibly important, but also you can guide, but you need to guide effectively. And that's, I suppose, where that additional planning aspect comes in and maybe where yours truly has not uh, focused her energy in, in the past. So I think that uh, it's, uh, it's important for me and certainly reading about this, it's made me think, okay, how can I make these reading sessions more productive and more, more effective overall? And it does say here, reading is complex, and teaching children to read does require skill and knowledge. Uh, and we use assessments to ensure that the book and the teaching objectives are pitched at the child's current competencies. And we can plan carefully around the book before the lesson to plot the teaching points and prepare for challenges. Consider what prompts we're going to use, uh, what helpful aids we're going to use, and there's ways to prepare to be a good guide. Um, And a good guide knows their purpose to guide effectively. We have to have a good background knowledge of how children learn to read. And I think that's a really important point as well because uh, I know many of you who are primary teachers have taught up and down schools. I am at the moment, I'm seven years into my career and I've only taught year three and above. So whilst at university and occasionally when I was on supply, I have taught phonics and I do have an understanding of phonics and how that is learned. And certainly um, when a uh, reception in year one went back after lockdown, when I was still in the UK after that first lockdown, and uh, I was drafted in to, to help teach those year groups, it was, uh, it was very uh, interesting to kind of dig into the brain archive and actually think, oh gosh, you know, these children, the amount of energy and the, the, the dedication that goes into in, in EYFS year one, year two, goes into laying the foundations for children being able to read that phonic knowledge is is so important and i think sometimes that does get forgotten about and underestimated and then as children travel further up the school you know sometimes i i think there is a a bit of a trap for sort of you know year five six teachers where we've kind of we've sort of almost got in many respects sort of ready-made readers if you like of course there are still those children who haven't met that level and still are struggling with their reading side of things, but we almost forget kind of what's what's gone before. So yeah, having that good background knowledge is so important and we are clear which learning outcomes we are supporting uh, the group to achieve and that the guided reading as a whole forms a huge part of uh, literacy or English teaching provision um, and it has to include not only uh, modelled reading but also shared reading and independent reading as well. So at this point, what have we what have we looked at? So we've we've unpicked kind of what guided reading is about, and you know what what that sort of broad broad definition is, and we've dug a little bit deeper into thinking about okay, well, what does guided guided reading mean? It's guided is di- slightly different to teaching. We're talk we've talked about uh, using small groups and that focus and needing to be very very clear on what texts we're using making sure that they are relevant to the children that we're teaching and that we're homing in on particular skills and making sure that it's actually you know that that children are reaching those goals and that they are achieving and moving on with their reading rather than it just being a kind of tick box exercise but i also find i don't know about you that guided reading sessions are often very short so some people have them dotted throughout the week so it'll be kind of 20 minutes each day and uh, you know the children are on a week a weekly rotation that just kind of repeats I have two I think it's two 45 minute sessions a week so managing that time and deciding what to do where does become a little bit tricky and it kind of gets thrown to sort of the the back of my mind a bit because you know I have I also have my five English lessons a week so there's a lot going into that deep you know very detailed planning making sure we're getting our, our grammar concepts in there all the rest of it. And often, you know, the, the guided reading side of it, I'm not, as I've said earlier in the show, I'm not putting the energy into that, that, that perhaps I could be, there's not the, the richness there. And there's not the, the sort of the working with, with those small groups. And maybe that's what I need to bring back, despite my, my worry about carousels and managing it. But again, I think this is part of teaching, it's part of training children to say, okay, you know. I am, and I often say to my class, you know if I'm working with a group in maths, for example, or if I'm you know sitting at a particular table, you know I'm expecting the rest of you to try and get on independently. Um, can you, you know, and while I'm working with a group, but I think it's easier when people are working on the same sort of thing. If you've got four different activities going on, it's very difficult in your own brain to go, okay, right, they're doing I don't know some handwriting practice, they're doing independent reading, they're doing some spelling, and I'm trying to read with a group over here, all in the same room as well can be quite chaotic i mean so i think kudos to any of you who do manage to pull this off on a regular basis and i need to pick your brain perhaps a lot more than than i than i have been and i think that uh hopefully on twitter i'll get some chat going with some of you when i share these show notes as well and you can uh point me in the direction of the kinds of things you uh you've been doing and you know i hope to learn from that so i then moved on to look at well more into the importance of of guided reading and and the the ideas and the skills that that children when i say not the kind of the reading skills as such but the more the sort of wider skills that children should be picking up from this and uh, this is from the importance of guided reading the significant benefits of guided reading and specific instructions on how to use guided reading to help your child or student advance reading skills it's a very long title but i will post this because uh, I'm not going to take you through the entire thing now because we will be here until Christmas, but it's a very interesting breakdown into what this author feels. And I can't quite remember who it is off the top of my head. It is, uh, she's called Macise Gargan, Gagan. Um, and I have probably, again, absolutely butchered that name. So I'm incredibly sorry, but I will post this and you can have a read of yourself, yourself at your, at your leisure. But, uh, they are quite adamant about the way um these sessions should be carried out and part of it is that student must read aloud to you so if you're having these groups you must have students reading aloud to you that has to be one of the one of the things you are doing and they have to read carefully often when we're when we're sitting uh reading to pupils it can be quite sort of particularly those who are slightly slower readers it, it can be, sometimes if you're not having a great day, it can be sort of a bit, oh, you know, okay, I just need to kind of, I need to hear them, I need to I need to kind of get, get on to the next one, rather than actually really listening in and making sure that students are looking carefully at the words that they're reading, that they're being accurate, that they are, you know, is is the misinterpretation or the misreading of a word because they can't read it or is it because they're reading too fast uh, there has to be so much going through your brain at any given point. Uh, and the encouragement needs to be this for the student to correct their own mistake, because often, you know, I found myself in a child's reading. I'll just kind of go, oh, you know, actually, that says whatever. And I think I'm being really helpful. And sometimes that is OK, I think, to to help correct them. But on other times, you actually want them to go back and say, well, hang on a minute. Think about what you just said or think about what you just read does that make sense in your mind uh do you think that you know which which word do you think i'm i'm referring to and you know turning it into that conversation and making sure that you're unpicking it a bit more with with those students is really really important so they go on to say um if a student is then lacking a particular skill and you're picking up on something if it's if it's a repeated mistake if they're making a mistake in the same word or if they're not being able to answer certain questions about that text it's then down to us to teach them that skill so they can read a particular word or so they can understand a particular text so it's that that noting down of of where those where those gaps are as well and making sure that we're sort of finding out particularly you know if you are doing And even when you're doing whole class reading comprehension finding out where those gaps are and uh, addressing them as well so it's also important to uh, help with pronunciation wherever necessary and i think this is because i mean the english language is a funny one isn't it uh you know if you are if you have a very southern accent so if you're from the south of the uk like i am originally of course words like bath path etc whereas if you're from the north of uh the uk then or of england rather then you've got bath path etc and um actually no the world i think the welsh say bath as well so it's just south just south of england where we are uh insistent that there is a uh, somehow an r in these words when actually there most definitely is not and i know that uh the accent thing as well i think um there have been ttr shows uh, about accents in teaching and things like that but I'm digressing. The idea of you know pronunciation in general is incredibly important. So there is that as well. Um, it's also not only are we looking at the importance of developing these reading skills, but making sure that children are equipped to read in the right way. In terms of are they sitting appropriately? And this is going to sound so uh, sort of pedantic of me. And I think I've mentioned this before. But I'm kind of quite sort of deliberate about how children sit in chairs primarily because I am that person who sat dreadfully at school and fully blame that for the reason I've suffered back issues most of my adult life but if they're kind of sitting sort of scrunched up are they going to be able to to read properly I would argue probably not if they are not comfortable on the chair that they're on uh, you know are they is it easier if they sit on the floor is it easier if they are on a beanbag and quite honestly if them sitting on a beanbag is the difference between them being comfortable to read with me or not, am I going to be, am I going to take that away from them? No, I'm not. So I do think it's important to, to have that as well. But they also mentioned in this article to make sure that they have something to track with should they need to until they're no longer making tracking errors. Um, and again, talking about sort of specific skills, vocabulary skills, and monitoring that progress as well to ensure that they are, Taking those necessary steps that they are building on those skills, building on that knowledge from right from the bottom of primary, all the way up. And I think maybe, you know, there was a chat for a long time about the fact that a lot of children were leaving primary school uh, unable to to read in the manner that was appropriate in inverted commas for for a year six child. And there's often been comment on this that as children transition into into secondary and into year 7 that year 7 teachers are often surprised by the the huge gaps that 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 there are in that you know it's not often not the that fluency aspect that's the problem children can can read what's in front of them but it's it's it is again that that meaning that vocabulary and things like that and uh, being able to use the context around them to around these words looking for clues to understand meaning or to have the initiative to look words up in a dictionary, I did a, um, <laughs> I actually did a, an exercise today with, with my children to link to homophones. And again, in my brain, I had to be thinking, right, do I need to do homophones, homonyms, homographs? What's the difference? I did just stick to homophones today because I didn't want to brain scramble myself too much. And then we sort of talked about, we went through what homophones are. We did some demonstrations together. We did some whiteboard work, all the rest of it. And then one of the um, exercises they were asked to do was they were given, for example, OR, O-R, and OR, O-A-R, piece and piece, etc. And they had to define these words. And some of them, my children were like, uh, oh, you know, I don't know what, um, I know what waste, W-A-S-T-E is, because, you know, that's waste as in don't waste food. I said, yeah, okay. They said, yeah, but what's W A I? Uh, a I S T. You no, know, I I don't I don't know what that means. I don't. You know. I said I said. Well, how how do you think you could find out? Well, you're going to tell me, aren't you? I said. Well, no, I'm not going to tell you. But there's something in this room that could tell you. They're like, oh, oh yeah. I can I can look it up in the dictionary because we've done a lot of dictionary work skills. Now I know you know there is an app for that now you know i used i used the dictionary and thesaurus app more than i would care care to admit but i still think the idea of again you know using those dictionary skills understanding how to how to look up words is so so important and of course you know once they'd uh, figured out that they could do that for one one of the uh, um parts of the exercise they then quickly figured out that they could do it for, for other parts of it of it too so again it's kind of often reminding children actually you do have these skills and you can use them and just because we're not doing a specifically dictionary based exercise doesn't stop you from using that dictionary to support you in what you're doing because yes i'm trying to get you to understand homophones but at the same time you know in you looking them up and, and working out those definitions it's also helping you to kind of internalize hopefully some of uh, some of these um although they're there and there is still a uh, still an ongoing an ongoing battle and I know that primary teachers will will sympathize with that i've just noticed that there's a tweet here so i'm going to see what that says ooh matt draper what do you think what do you guys think of the principles of reading reconsidered it's not something i'm familiar with matt but if you want to leap on or if anyone does know what uh what that uh, what that involves then please feel free to jump on and tell me because it is not something I'm familiar with, I'm afraid. Embarrassingly, it's uh, yeah, that is a new one on me. So anyone who can who can help, please, please do. Please do leap in at any point. So I feel at this point we've uh, we've unpicked guided reading and what the sort of the, the fans or the the supporters of guided reading feel it looks like, what it should involve the skills that need to be practiced etc i mean we haven't delved too much into the different types of skills but again in the articles that i have looked up here i will share in my show notes and that goes into a lot more detail about the different types of reading skills that you can go into i mentioned vipers earlier and now i'm going to try and remember what each one stands for uh, i don't know how much it's i mean i still use it uh, i don't know how many of you still do so vipers is right here we go vi- vocabulary inference prediction explain retrieval and summary yes i did it so i think those are those are really good for for well for any kind of reading activity but again children don't just know these you have to these are very very kind of detailed specific skills that you have to maybe spend more time on than i definitely have been doing so there is that as as well and uh we've talked about reading aloud we've talked about the importance of that and the teacher acting as uh, as a guide in these situations rather than uh sort of the the old-fashioned kind of input at the front modeling etc oh got a second tweet coming through let's just see if matt has uh Oh, vipers. Uh, Miss MM has said vipers are a huge part of our school guided reading process. We love them. And I think uh, oh that's good to hear. It's good to hear it's still being used as well. And I know there's those brilliant vipers bookmarks you can get. I have a big um, vipers display up on my sort of um, help. I don't really want to call it a spag wall. It's not it's spag reading. Wall. It's, kind of, it's kind of my sort of help corner for for lots of things. But I'm glad that I'm not the only one still championing, championing vipers. I know there are probably people out there who don't love it, but isn't that part and parcel of these discussions in education that we have all the time? I think it's, uh, you know, what for every fan, there is someone who is not a fan. So respectfully, you know, I'm a fan, but I respect you if you are not. So we've talked about, well, the, the kind of what I would consider, I don't want to call it old school guided reading, traditional guided reading, if you like. So we've talked about that kind of whole class approach. Uh, with so sort of what I've been doing with these, um, you know, with different comprehensions, looking at those reading skills from that point of view and how I don't necessarily think that's particularly effective. We've talked about the sort of the, the smaller group approach, which does seem to be that, I mean, the research suggests that people, uh, people, teachers, people working in education are more a fan of that approach and they, that's the, that's the way we should be doing it in the small group setting Um, And whilst I can get behind that, I've I've found it difficult to manage, as I've said. I don't know about you. And I think because of the way I also think timetabling is everything. And maybe in talking to you this evening, I've sort of changed my mind about how how that guided reading is going going to work. Because maybe uh, knowing that, say, straight after lunch, for example, there's going to be 20 minutes guided reading. And uh, before you move on to the rest of the afternoon. And that 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 on you know Monday group A is doing this B is doing this C is doing this D etc. Maybe that's uh maybe that's the way forward. Ooh. oh Miss Emma has decided to join me for a chat. Fantastic. Let me. Ooh, Miss Emma, if you just want to unmute yourself, you can. Uh,
0: what has pricked up your ears this evening? Hello to you. Hello, hello. Um, so we would you like me to give you a little context of my role within schools, just so you um people understand where I'm coming from would that be helpful? Yes absolutely. Yeah so um, I work at uh, a school in Burton-upon-Trent um, and within that I'm in a multi-academy trust where I'm the primary English lead for the 13 primary schools across the trust and um, so I see a lot of reading a lot of writing obviously across the 13 primary schools and um, so I saw this on my Twitter feed and I was like oh gosh I've got to jump on there and um, and just have a see what other people are saying and also give my opinions of uh, the fantastic practice that I've seen across um, the 13 primary schools I work across.
1: Fabulous so tell me more.
0: So um, within our own setting um, we have um, adopted Little Wandle to facilitate teaching of early reading um, in uh, nursery reception in year one so I'm I'm sure you've probably covered this but um, obviously that constitutes learning <coughs> sorry learning phonemes and then they have three um, reading sessions per week based around the phonemes that they are secure in, making sure as well that they're on, we're on that 90% reading fluency and um, within guided reading that's a really huge thing across our multi-academy trust that we'll Um, knuckling down on I would say Um, obviously texts that the children are accessing is so important that it's at that degree um, degree where it's not too challenging that it puts them off from the reading but isn't so easy that there's not that um, moderate challenge that that is needed for progress Um, so that's something that we've really looked into so uh, three guided reading sessions a week for um, keep lower key stage one and then from year two upwards we do whole class guided reading um, for an hour a week which we've seen fantastic progress with and that's all based around vipers so for the term you focus on a text that's generally normally quite uh, a long text and you uh, focus on a particular skill each lesson and the children are so well versed now in um what skill it is so if i just put a v on the board they you know straight away that's vocabulary and they're able to um, discuss well what vocabulary have we looked at previously is there any of this vocabulary in our text now looking at word meaning um one that we're looking a bit further within our own setting a bit further is inference um it's always that tricky one that children struggle with and they rely so heavily in key stage one with inference based around pictures and they get really good at that and that's fantastic but then when you get to that inference in key stage two where it's um much much more prescriptive and you have to really understand word meaning to be able to infer from those longer bits of text so that's um something Else that we're working on, Um, but no, had such fantastic success with the Vipers across our school, Um, and I know that a lot of our schools across the Multi Academy Trust also use them um, as an initiative. Um, Once we got secure in them, we shared our ideas, and some people have jumped on board. And a lot of people actually like to do a few Vipers per lessons, almost in style of SATs questions, um, preparing them for having to answer a variety. But lower down in year two, where I am, we focus on one a lessons a really good understanding of the reading skill we're trying to develop well that sounds fantastic and just out of out of curiosity i mean
1: how how do you go about choosing choosing the text because you say obviously if it's going to go across uh, a number of weeks they've got to be quite long where where does the
0: uh, where where do you get get your text from so um the Previous Englishly prior to me, she and um, did um I think it was on the literacy literacy shed plus uh sorry my, my words got mumbled then, um, and on that. Um, it has loads of information on what texts are best suited to which age group, so we went through that um, and picked out texts that not only suited our setting uh, but linked with some of our other topics so we had that cross-curricular link as well so that we were deeping um, much more deeply within guided reading sessions into the vocabulary but then they were able to transfer that skill across curricula um, and further their knowledge in other areas as well, Um, so it's three texts per year so in year one not year one so year two I do the owl who's afraid of the dark the twits and who's my the worst witch and all of those link to my topic in some way Oh, that's brilliant. And you say you've noticed fantastic
1: results. I mean, in terms of obviously in terms of the the reading skills generally. But do you find sort of a cross topic that uh, that writing improves as well, that that the understanding of these topics overall improves? Because it sounds like, you know, you've really nailed it in the sense that it's it's relevant to everything. Whereas I think often the mistake made with guided reading is that these sort of texts are kind of picked a bit randomly. It's sort of tacked onto the end of something or it's these sort of short sessions where you think, Oh, that will do uh, maybe, which is why children don't get as much out of it. But from your side, it really sounds like that it's been thought about. And uh, I'm just curious to know if the improvement has been kind of out noticed outside of reading skills as well.
0: Yeah, I would say it definitely has. I mean, When you have to cover so many things within primary and you have to... You you really wish you could delve into like for history, for example, for weeks and weeks and weeks. There's always so much you could cover, and so I think when you link a text to that, that you can take your time with the text. It gives you the opportunities to link back to retrieve prior knowledge, which is a huge thing at the moment, um, pushing that retrieval practice, working with the long-term memory and short-term memory. And um, so, children's recall of facts and key tier two, tier three vocabulary um, in the it has improved and they're just they're so much more confident talking about a text when we go because we look at it for so long they're able to give really good descriptive um, analysis of characters why the author may have used the vocabulary they've chosen why a story structured that way and um, they're able to talk about their preferences because we've had such a long time really delving into a text they're able to form an opinion which i feel when you only dip into a book or only read a short book i mean i'm all in favor of I love picture books absolutely love 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 and I use many of them but if we only just read it to the children and don't give them that opportunity to delve deeper they're not going to be able to form those opinions and I think when you form opinions around text that's where your love of reading comes from um building up that catalog of vocabulary and understanding um so yeah I would say it really does help and we've got a huge reading ethos across school which, which helps as well um so yeah, I hope that answers that question. <laughs> oh yeah, brilliant! It's fantastic. And also, just in in
1: because we we sort of unpicked earlier in the show. I don't know if you heard if you were uh, were with us at that point. But we were talking about how you have sort of your your day to day teaching, and then with guided reading, unpicking what that guided means. And I think you've sort of summarised that beautifully. And, and it's kind of it's fostering that sort of that whole love of reading and actually. Giving children the chance and actually ultimately putting the onus back on them to say, you know, I want you to explore this yourself. I've guided you to a degree, to to a certain point, but now it's it's down to you to kind of unpick this further, explore this further, seeing what you can find and what you can understand mm-hmm. from from what you're reading.
0: And I think also um, with guided reading, I know. Um, we like to like, pick on one child to read a bit and then another child to read a bit. And going back to that fluency, I think it's really important that we have a range of reading strategies. So, um, for example, we do read with your partner, then read aloud, whole class reading. Um, I call it river reading, where there's just for one paragraph we'll go around the room and each child says one word within the sentence, which actually really focuses the children on making sure they're following that text and then we'll read it all together that paragraph and um, which is really lovely for you know there's low ability children that maybe the text we are accessing as a whole class is maybe a bit beyond them but it's showing them that they can access these these higher level texts um, and gives them an opportunity that you'll see them figuring out what word they're going to read and when they read that word they're just so proud and then we read it all together so because they've already heard that paragraph they're able to join in with the whole chorus reading um, which I think is another huge part of it because obviously don't, we love to try and challenge our children but we don't want anybody to be left behind or disheartened um, so I think reading fluency and, and ensuring that everybody gets an opportunity to read aloud not just your high ability children and whole class guided reading is really important as well
1: oh, That's absolutely fantastic and I feel like my my what's so great about doing shows like this and then inviting people on and getting to chat to people like you is the just the the brain wearing that then happens on on the back of it for me and i'm sort of now thinking oh gosh i need to go i need to go and look at i need to go look at certain websites i need to you know think about think about approach okay maybe if i don't want to do carousel i don't have to you know there are ways of kind of doing whole class really effectively so that's really good so that's made me feel so much better as well so uh and also the idea of uh river reading i hadn't heard that before either because uh I'm sure you've seen the same thing it's always the same hands that go up you know the ones that that love to that love to read loud and I, and I love their confidence and then there are ones who and you don't you don't know, you, you don't go to them because there are some children who would sooner you know the floor swallow them open and swallow them than than read in front of anybody but if it's just one word then it's kind of it's it's done mm, you know quickly yeah
0: um Oh, what was I about to say Let me think on that. I was about to oh yeah, the river reading. I think that's the phrase I've come up with. It it does have a technical term, but in class we just called it river reading because I like I said that it flows like a river around the classroom. Um so our words turn into a river. Um so that's just my phrase for it. So I don't know if you if you Google that, it might come up, but it it may not.
1: (laughs) Um I will certainly I will certainly have a look and I'll try and add it to, to show notes as well but uh, i think i think if it's not called that it it yes. should be i think that that is a, a lovely term and a lovely sentiment so maybe we can uh, we can ensure that actually whatever kind of slightly dull technical term is used we can replace it with river reading and uh, and and just the alliteration of that is lovely as well so <laughs> i like that a lot that's been uh, fantastic um
0: Miss M, Miss M, MM, please stick yep. around
1: and please do hang out for, for a little bit longer. And Please do chip in again if you if you if you wish to during the show. But that has been incredibly enlightening and really thank you so much for, for leaping in and for sharing your experience with us. That's fantastic. And I've I've loved it. And you've certainly set my my brain alight. So I'm I'm very grateful to no, you.
0: Thank you so much. I hung around for a bit. Oh, please do. So. We've uh
1: we've looked at I mean we've kind of we've unpicked guided reading quite quite significantly at this point. However, there are those out there who are not a fan of this traditional guided reading approach or you know the whole class reading approach or the kind of carousel type approach. Uh so I found an article that says what I do instead of guided reading and why it's more effective. Now Arguably, I would say these are some of the things that actually we do in guided reading. And actually, you just are being a bit difficult and wanting to call the same thing by a by a different by a different thing. But what she was basing this on is the idea of grouping children according to reading levels. So uh, one of the things she says uh, is that she uses strategy groups in place of guided reading. So instead of working with children uh, based on their reading level, She does it on a particular skill. So uh, groups include students who are at all different places in their reading journey. Some might be reading chapter books, another might be reading simple picture books. And what they're reading doesn't matter. What matters is that they're working on the same set of skills um, and that uh, they are working on things like comprehension, accuracy, fluency and expanding vocabulary. Again, I think that's still a, a guided reading approach, but I suppose the idea being that, you know, you've got uh, different abilities working together to to sort of support each other and build skills rather than just looking at those reading levels. Um, and she said she'd start by um, having children read their own book aloud to you for two or three minutes which again is lovely but of course you've then got if you've got say a group of 5 children you've then got four of them sitting there who have may have no idea what the other child's reading or have no kind of experience of that whilst waiting their their turn to read so I don't know I don't know if that's the if that's something I can get get behind but maybe maybe it works for for this teacher and she said you know one-on-one reading check check-ins are also an option so she has said as well one-on-one reading checks are more important uh, to take quick notes but again you know that's um it's a it's a it's a lovely thought, but if you've got a class of thirty children, one on one reading check-ins, that's that's an enormous amount of time. Even if you do have a teaching assistant or somebody or parent volunteers who can take children out to to read, to get through a class of thirty. I mean, you can do it in the space of a week. That's an enormous amount of, of time to listen to to individual to individual readers. So I did um I did sort of question that approach slightly. The other thing she said was uh you know, you could have phonics focus groups as well, uh, where, um, you know, she's moved away from uh, sort of the the traditional approach and she's allowed them to um, focus on the basics. So this is when she worked lower down the school uh, and it helps uh, students who need to maybe reinforce particular, particular um, phonic strategies and things like that. So in summary, she has said um at this time having actually done a variety of different things her main focus at the moment is phonics phonics focused reading groups um, and those one on one check-ins but i would argue that's still a guided reading approach which is maybe not the the sort of the 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 methods that we have we have talked about miss mm i don't know if you've got any thoughts on that that you want to add um, if you think that she's maybe just talking about guided reading but under a, a different hat as it were
0: yeah i was just i was just sat here then thinking everything she's just said is something that's already so ingrained in school culture regarding guided reading especially in in the EYFS lower key stage one um so yeah I mean obviously with all the phonics um schemes have had to be implemented across all the schools um, as guidance from the Department for Education um there's quite rigid guidance now actually about how guided reading groups should be grouped um, very specifically on the phonemes children are secure and um, so they definitely should be grouped um, on their phonetic awareness. Um, moving up through the school though that does get a bit trickier. Um, you don't often see any more guided reading groups as in children being given a guided reading book that they read in a small group um, often anymore. And it was something that we uh, evaluated at our school because it was always the, the um, opinion that well they get to year two they've done really, really well in their SATs we know they're a really fluent reader they'll just be a free reader that we know they can read and something we reflected on this year was well why are we stopping that why are we stop stopping those um, little smaller guided reading groups all the way through to year six um, so we've um, obviously purchasing books for a whole school all the way book bands all the way through to year six was an astronomical cost that is really not feasible for many schools but we opted for the e-book versions so we ban all of our children now in our school um are on a banded book so we know exactly where they are with their reading fluency and their reading comprehension so this is in addition to the whole class guided reading that we do um so yeah from Year two all the way to year six, the children have a book banded book that they access through an e-book. So we have some iPads in class and it means that every single child in the school is heard being read individually whether that's in a group of five or six children or because how they're banded they're the only one in that class who is on that band so it's a quick five minutes with the teacher have a few reads have a question um but yeah I don't think banding by ability is anything new um I just think it's something that's definitely been brought to the forefront since the um the guidance from the DFE regarding phonics schemes I mean, it's interesting that you're that you're using those those
1: banded books as well. Because I I said earlier in the show that I find, and it may just be the the um the books that we're using, but often that they're that they're quite dry. Um, I don't know if there are any out there that maybe are less so, but I suppose it's more about with those leveled books. It is more about uh particular vocabulary, particular skills, making sure that they uh, can read to a to a certain level in inverted commas rather than the the sort of the text itself, but I don't know if you've uh, managed to find uh, uh, something out there that's perhaps not as, as dull as the ones that, uh, that we're using. Well, that
0: yeah, that was definitely something that we were really conscious about. And also, um, the diversity across the range of books. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're all very familiar with the much-loved um, Biff, Kip and Chipper, uh, who were a huge <laughs> part of the OR, Oxford Reading Tree series but didn't really represent our school culture, um, the children we have, the, the community that we have. So um, the research we did and actually the books we went, and I'm by no means affiliated with these people. I do not, I'm not being paid to say this, but Little Wondle follow on to use um, Big Cat. And Big Cat have got some fantastic um, books um, all the way to year six and they change. And so in year six, is actually a children's version of Macbeth Um, which some of the children really, yeah. And there's um, a huge variety. Um, I can't think off the top of my head what it's called, but it's like um, similar to the Rosie, Rosie engineer book. Um, Basically it's a whole series about this female character who does what would previously have stereotypically been more um, seen as a male character. So rocket, uh, rocket engineer, IT person. So there's loads of, um, opportunities for discussions around um I'm trying to think of his word I'm looking at my partner who's also a teacher but he's not helping me at all <laughs> <laughs> just staring back at you yeah just give e- tell me what equal opportunity to, what you what know, like equal mean? opportunities for for gender I feel like obviously a lot of the books from um that we've kept in our libraries because obviously books are so expensive so expensive um are often have a male heroine and I'm and i heroin yeah heroin he's, he's looking at me he gave me a puzzled look then as if I was saying something wrong no it is and I, I'm all about championing uh female heroines and and people who just testing those gender stereotypes and so our new scheme of big cat but ebooks really do do that um and the children have been loving it they've been coming in and saying oh my gosh this girl was an engineer and I'm like yeah yeah she was and that, and that's... And, I think,
1: <laughs> and I think that's so important as well because again it 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 shows where reading can can take you as well and and certainly, if you're reading those either in groups or or as part of a class and actually it's going beyond because of course you know we we've we've talked I've talked a lot this evening about about you know skills and about a kind of understanding vocabulary and things like that, but also to have a, an organic discussion that arises from something you're reading is one of the loveliest things, certainly for me and I'm sure for, for you as well, it's one of the loveliest things that can happen in a classroom. And if those and if, you know, certain books and certain things like that are inspiring them to do that, then all the yeah, better. Yeah, I mean
0: there's like African folk tales in there, just poetry. You know, those old book banded books didn't have that variety. Um so no, we're absolutely loving those at the moment. Um and as well, um obviously this week I don't know if you've covered this, but it's National Storytelling Week this week week um they were trying to link in to cross all subjects a story that goes with it so the PE teacher today she was with my class and she read the little people big world books I think that's what they're called um and it was one about Pele and so they read a book about Pele the footballer before they went outside and did their PE lesson and again it's just bringing in that reading into every part of our curriculum
1: I think that's super and uh, I certainly think that there are going to be lots of people who have listened this evening or have indeed listened back to this who are going to want to pick your brain uh, a lot more and certainly scour your your Twitter. I know there's th- things I want to ask you about whole class yeah. guided reading that will kind of go, go beyond this evening so I think you will have, uh, it's not just my my brain and my uh, thought process that you've, you, that you've uh, intrigued this evening. I hope that uh, a lot of people listen back to this and then freshen up their guided <laughs> reading and their approach to Uh, reading in school generally Mm. so thank you so much for for all that and uh honestly I could talk to you for (laughs) ages and maybe we have to get you on a a separate show and kind of uh delve into this uh, a bit more but you've been absolutely
0: fantastic so I really appreciate it thank you so much for sharing everything No, thank you yeah I'd love to do that I'm very passionate about it all as you can tell
1: Oh, super! And uh, it's, yeah, it's often, it's often, uh, I often don't get. Uh,
0: well, it seems to be hard
1: to find the primary teachers to talk to me about different things. So it's 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 good that you've uh, that you've come out of the woodwork this evening to to uh, make sure that I'm not just uh, doing a monologue, which uh, which can happen from time to time. So I yeah, I'm very very grateful. So thank, thank you. you. <laughs> so. This evening, we have done kind of a whistle-stop tour, really, through through guided reading and uh, the different approaches to it. I honestly did not expect to leave this show this evening feeling as inspired as I am, and I think that is almost entirely down to uh, Miss MM, which has been fantastic. I'm certainly going to go away and have a think about how I approach it and maybe think about the, the choice of reading texts and maybe think about how um I can attach you know topic based stuff to it, how I can um ensure that everybody is reading, how I can maybe inspire those children who are perhaps not keen on the reading side of things. I'm definitely going to uh, employ the idea of river reading because I think I think that can go school wide as, as well. I don't see why that should just be the the younger ones. I think I think my year fives would, would jump on board with that. I mean anything we play a, a lot of games in class and anything that they can turn into a, a game, they absolutely do. It's how I've got them to, to learn their capital cities of Europe. It's how I've got them to practice certain math skills. So it seems to sort of work quite well. So if I can turn reading into uh, something that they're like, oh, OK, well, you know, we'll get on board with that. Miss, We'll do that then. All the all the better. Um On the subject of of reading more generally, I should remind you again of our sponsor this evening, which is John Cat Education, who are a leading publisher of educational books, magazines, etc. As I mentioned before, if you're looking for some of your own reading material to maybe on guided reading, maybe on some other area of, of education, maybe you're looking for a book to take away with you this half term. They have all kinds of things. So you'll see there is a pinned tweet in the top of the space here that will take you to their Twitter feed and you can have a look at all the sort of featured books at the moment, but you can also uh, link to their website and have a look through and maybe treat yourself to something from there. So please do that well all that remains for me to say this evening is an enormous thank you once again to miss mm i really do appreciate everything you've shared with us this evening i will share my show notes and uh, i'm going to definitely be asking uh, miss mm for some of the links and some of the things she has mentioned as well so look out for those too and uh next week Uh, In continuing with my primary subject theme, I'm going to give English a little bit of a rest next week. And I want to look at primary P.E. So if you know somebody out there or if you're listening to this and thinking, well, I teach I teach P.E. in primary or I know someone who'd love to have a chat about about P.E. in primary schools, then put them in touch with me or get in touch with me yourself, because I was definitely that child in school, uh, certainly in primary school who found P.E. quite challenging because I wasn't a particular team sport person. But then I wonder now if we've we sort of moved on and uh, we can get everybody involved and all children involved in enjoying some form of exercise and appreciating, you know, the, the the health aspects and the happiness and the joy aspects of that. And I think it's a really important thing to, to look at. So that's going to be my next uh, my next foray into the into the primary subject. So I'm going to I'm looking forward to that and I'm hoping that I maybe can get a couple of guests on. You never know. So stay tuned for that. And. Um, my last thing is, as always, have a wonderful rest of the week. Hang in there. I know some of you are not that far away from, from half term. I've got, I think, two weeks to go, three weeks to go. Two and a half weeks to go, I think. As of tomorrow, it's two and a half weeks to go. So not, not long, not long, uh, even though we've done January. So that's great. And uh, I think we just we just press on and continue being fabulous. So thank you, everybody. And I will speak to you again next week.